Hello, and welcome to the first episode for 2022 of Emma and Rebecca Talk IP, a series in which we discuss developments that have caught our eye in the world of intellectual property and attempt to unravel what's really going on. I'm Emma Isles. And I'm Rebecca Gay. So for the first episode of the year, uh, we're going to take a look at a story that was in the news a few weeks back now when Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced that the Aboriginal flag had been freed for all. That's a pretty big statement, and so that seems to us like a story worth unravelling. And to help us do that today, we're really pleased to welcome Kashaya Delaney. Kashaya is a proud Wiradjuri woman and a member of the Uluru Statement Youth Dialogue. Luckily for us, she's also a graduate at HSF. So welcome, Kashaya. Thank you very much, Rebecca, and thank you for inviting me to join in this discussion. It's really great to have you here, so thank you for being here. Um, Emma, do you want to help set the scene for for us a little bit? Of course. So the Aboriginal flag, as with any flag design, started life as an artwork and as an original work of art, it's protected by copyright under our Copyright Act. In this case, the artwork we now see on the Aboriginal flag was created by Harold Thomas back in 1970. And as the person who created that work, Harold Thomas is the copyright owner, and he's entitled to control who reproduces his artwork. And Kashaya, the elements of the flag each have a special significance, don't they? Yeah, they do. So the flag was created by Mr Thomas as a symbol of unity that could be used by activists who are protesting for rights of First Nation people. The top half of the flag is black to symbolise First Nations people, while the lower half represents the earth, which is the colour of ochre and has special ceremonial significance. The circle of yellow in the centre represents the sun. And while Mr Thomas is now recognised as being the creator of the flag, that issue of itself was actually the subject of some controversy a little while back. So back in 1996, the Federal Court of Australia heard a case in which a number of other individuals were either claiming to have created the design before Mr Thomas or to have assisted him in the design. So they were therefore challenging Mr Thomas's claim to be the copyright owner. That's right, but they didn't get very far. After hearing evidence from a lot of different people, the federal court concluded that Mr Thomas had in fact designed the flag and was therefore the owner of copyright. In the years that followed, Mr Thomas granted various licences to the flag. He granted Carolyn Richardson flags, now known as Flag World, the exclusive right to make flags, banners and bunting bearing his design, and he granted Wham Clothing and Barubi Art, companies with some common ownership, the exclusive right to produce souvenirs and education items bearing the flag. And that's where things started to get a little bit controversial. Is that right, Rebecca? Yes, that is. Um, and that was because Wham Clothing uh, took it upon itself to start issuing infringement notices to third parties who were producing merchandise bearing the Aboriginal flag. Uh, and he picked some fairly high-profile targets. Um, They picked the AFL, the NRL and some not-for-profit Aboriginal organisations. That probably would have been controversial enough, but Wham Clothing was not owned or operated by First Nations people. And the related company, Biribi Art, had already been found to have misled consumers by selling fake Aboriginal art and had been fined $2.3 million for doing so, although by the time the fine was imposed, it was also in administration. So in other words, a bit of a mess. And it led to a Senate Select Committee inquiry in 2020. It also spawned the Free the Flag campaign that was led by Clothing the Gaps, 
one of the not-for-profit enterprises that received a warning letter from WAM. Interestingly, a submission made to that Senate Select Committee by Ben Wooster, who was the controller of Giftsmate, the related company to Barubi Art and former director of Barubi Art and co-owner of WAM, stated that Wooster Holdings Proprietary Limited, WAM Clothing Proprietary Limited and Mr Thomas have entered discussions with the National Indigenous Affairs Agency in relation to the acquisition of the copyright in the Aboriginal flag. Those negotiations are ongoing. And a similar statement was made in a submission to the committee by WAM. So it seems that negotiations with the government to acquire copyright in the flag may have been in the works for some time. But the recommendation that came out of the Senate inquiry was for an independent body to be created to have custodial oversight of the flag in the same way that the Torres Strait Island Regional Council owns and controls copyright in the Torres Strait Island flag. But that's not what actually ended up happening here, is it? No, it is not. Ultimately, what's been announced, and we don't have a lot of detail, but what's been announced is the acquisition of the copyright by the Australian government and payments being made to the licensees in order to basically pay out the, their existing licences. Um, so, Kashaya, what, what are your thoughts on this turn of events? Yeah, I think it's a little too early to say what the impact of this deal will be on First Nations people. As like you said, we really don't know the finer details of the arrangement. We don't know exactly how much of the $20 million deal was paid to Harold or to the licensees. And I think while it is positive that Aboriginal organisations will no longer be sent warning letters for using the flag from a non-Indigenous business like Wham Clothing, it also means that endless non-Indigenous businesses will be able to profit off the mass reproduction and sale of a flag that has typically been held quite closely by Aboriginal people. And so Flagworld still has the exclusive right to make flags for commercial use, but as I understand it, any business can now use the flag on shirts, hats, towels, any other item. Mm, you raised some very significant points, I think. And I gather that there may be mixed views on the deal among First Nations people. Yeah, definitely. I, I have seen a really mixed reaction from First Nations communities in recent weeks. And I think it's always important to remember that Aboriginal culture and people are so diverse across the country. And so there's always going to be a real spectrum of opinions on something like this. But I think clearly we've seen that the Free the Flag campaign was a really excellent demonstration of the power of social media and the power of collective black voices seeking change. However, for some, the Aboriginal flag was always free in a sense, at least for public use. It just couldn't be monetized for commercial purposes. And so the result of this deal is that the Aboriginal flag, which is traditionally a symbol of resistance and the strength of community, is now owned by the Commonwealth government, who for many represents colonization rather than an Aboriginal man. And so I think that rightfully has made some Aboriginal people uncomfortable. Another point is that for some First Nations people, it is hard to look past the questionable timing of this announcement. It was made on the eve of January 26, a day of mourning, and the deal was represented in the media as freeing the flag, when it's not quite as simple as that. Yes, this deal will allow First Nations communities to reproduce the flag on apparel, such as sports jerseys and shirts, sports grounds, on websites, in paintings and other artworks. And I do think that is really great in terms of sharing and celebrating our culture and history. But 
It's also been almost five years since the historic Uluru Statement from the Heart called for a constitutionally enshrined voice to Parliament and a Makarata Commission to oversee agreement-making and truth-telling, voice, treaty and truth. Yet, we've really made little progress on these reforms. So sometimes it can feel like these calls are falling on deaf ears. And while for some this change can be seen as a real step forward, I think we really do need to start seeing some leaps. It is easy to see why this announcement has been met with such mixed reactions, Kashea, thanks. Uh, one thing I also wanted to flag about this deal from a copyright perspective, again, is around moral rights. Uh, under the Copyright Act, moral rights are personal to the person who creates a work, such as an artistic work, and there are three of them. There's a right of attribution, the right against false attribution, and the right of integrity. And moral rights can't be assigned, and so Mr Thomas still holds those rights. And I think the right of integrity is an interesting one. If, for example, someone were to reproduce the Aboriginal flag um, but mark it with a symbol or something that is offensive to First Nations people, then in theory uh, the right of integrity could be used by Mr Thomas to take action against that person even though he's assigned Copyright. It's not a right that has um, been asserted through the Australian courts before, but you never know. From a copyright perspective, the other thing that's quite interesting here is the duration of copyright. So copyright protects an artistic work for a period of 70 years after the death of the author. But for a work that's owned by the government, copyright only lasts for 50 years after the date of creation. And on that basis, copyright in the flag has already expired. But what we don't know is whether a copyright work created by an individual and later acquired by the government is treated in the same way. And in this case, because the terms of the deal are so opaque, it's hard to say exactly what the position is. That is a really interesting point, Emma. Kashaya, thank you so much for joining us today to provide a First Nations uh, perspective to our podcast. We are really grateful for you to make the time. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.